We just discussed the visual system function at the retinal and eye level. Now we're going to move on uh, to uh, the uh, central nervous system cortical level. Okay. So the testing for retina uh, very much is, is a, um, you know, you use the ophthalmoscope for this. Um, and for your office or bedside testing uh, for central visual pathways and assessing visual fields uh, is done through confrontational visual field testing. So we'll just play a minute and a half of this video, but you can watch these two videos at home at, at your le leisure. First of all, check visual acuity of each eye with glasses on if they require them. They should Sorry. be able to see the target that you're going to use. It's not really working, but, um, well, watch them at home, uh, please. But what you do basically with visual field testing, uh, confrontational visual field testing, I don't know, this looks really different than I can't, oh, ah, oh, hey, thank you. Hey. First of all, Go ahead. Each eye with glasses on if they require them. You should be able to see the target that you're going to use to test the visual field. So you do this with glasses on. They should be seated comfortably at your eye level, about arm's length away. Okay, I'd like you to keep both eyes open and look into my eyes. I'm going to either move my left finger, my right finger, or both fingers. And I'd like you to tell me whether I move my left, my right, or both. Left. 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 Right. Both. Right, you saw that White pins are more easily seen. So use this to screen for peripheral field defects. Can you cover your right eye with your right hand and look into my right eye? I'm going to bring in this white pin from the side so and I'd like you to tell me to as soon as you see it. That was disrupted. Now he's mapping it a bit more, a bit better. See, she doesn't see that, yes. but she shouldn't see. She should see, right? Yes. I'm just going to map that area out a bit more detail. If you tell me when you see the pin coming in from the side. Yes. Okay. So that's the basic idea. So what he did was with his, with his fingers, 
you know, he, he basically yes. looked at each of the four quadrants of the visual field. So is there, is there a deficit in general? Uh, yes. He found one in the upper left and visual And tell quadrant. me when you see the pin And then in. he took that little white pin and, and yes. mapped it out. He basically went from the periphery to, to the yes. central. You see the pin quite clearly there? Okay, so how do I get back? Um, oh, perfect. Sorry, guys. Just let that sink in for a while. to the rescue. <laughs> so what do you need? Um, I'm, I'm just re rebooting the whole thing. Oh, oh, okay. That's how I deal with these problems. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So let me just I go here. I just reset the whole thing. How do you know this? Oh, I, I just watching? <laughs> yeah. Or have you worked with this? I like uh, you technology. Know okay. I think you have it. Yay. Okay. Thank you. So uh, just to go over this visual field chart again, uh, you know, watch the video. Um, but what we basically have, so this is the, uh, basically the, the visual field of the right eye. And then we can overlay the visual field of the left eye. And you can see that there are overlapping binocular fields and monocular fields on the, on the periphery that are not overlapping, right? Now, for clinical testing, you know, and there's certain reasons, yeah. For clinical testing, though, both eyes are tested separately. So you close one eye, test it, then you taste, uh, test the other eye. And what you get is basically a vis visual field map you know, for one eye, right? And then for the other one. Uh, oops, okay, here you go.
Okay, let's solve this mystery. Okay, yeah. Ha! So, I tricked you. So about 31% here didn't, or a little bit more, didn't read the, uh, watch the video. Uh, let's just look at this again. Uh, so here, what you get, oh, sorry, oh, you didn't see that. So here, what you actually have, this is kind of your normal visual field. A patient like that, uh, that's what you would expect from a healthy patient without visual field deficit, right? So you tested the right eye separately. What you, and this is the way, uh, you know, you, um, yeah. So there's no macular deficit here, right? But there's a deficit here, you see this, right? And uh, it's actually, you know, in the le lower left quadrant here. This is the lower left quadrant uh, of the left eye, the lower right quadrant. And, and this is here the, um, uh, what is it, the, the optic disc, your blind spot, right? So that helps you there. Okay. So, this is how the patient sees it, right? So this is a right macular deficit. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, nice. Okay, let's go on. I think you're getting this.
Okay. So this is not like an ophthalmoscope where you look into the retina or something. It is how the patient sees it, right? Okay, so both C and D. Yeah, perfect. So what this is actually is, it's a deficit in a quadrant right? That's called a quadranopia. It is also one that is in the same quadrant in both eyes, so it's a homonymous quadranopia, right? And it's in the right superior quadrant, so that makes it all together a right superior homonymous quadranopia, right? And um, incidentally, by looking at this, you will be, you can all, already, you can tell where in the visual pathway this lesion is. So this patient has a lesion in the left temporal cortex in Meyer's loop, right? And um, so this is called the uh, pie in the sky disorder. So the pie, you know, piece of pie uh, in the sky, it's up. And then there's also pie on the floor, right? That would be down here. Uh, that's a different, uh, that's Baum's loop. Uh, Maya's loop is pi in the sky. So we will we'll go through the pathway for this in a, in a little bit. Um, just want you to appreciate again that retinal projections uh, from the visual field on the retina, you know, go straight for the fovea, um, but then from the upper right visual quadrant goes on to the uh, uh, lower left, uh, lower part of the retina. Uh, if the, let's say if this is the left eye, it goes uh, from the right visual field onto the uh, nasal temple retina. You can see, so there, there's this crossing of left to right and up and down from these. Okay. Um, but, so then we have the retinofugal projections. Uh, fugal meaning fleeing, fugitive. So this is what flees the retina. Uh, you have the main, uh, you have the main pathway here for conscious vision and visual perception, uh, which goes through the lateral geniculate nucleus in the thalamus uh, into the primary visual cortex, the occipital pole, and that is where your visual processing, your detection of visual features uh, is, is, is occurring, faces, everything. Now, there's also feedback projections uh, there, but uh, mostly what we are concerned is in are the feed-forward projections uh, here, the afferent fibers there. Now, there are also other more 
you know, non-conscious uh, vi visual information uh, going in other parts of the brain, like the super charismatic nucleus, uh, which uh, you'll learn more about in your biorhythms and sleep lecture. Uh, then you have the, uh, in the midbrain for the pupillary light reflex, and then in uh, the superior colliculus for automatic saccades uh, that allow you to uh, really move your eye movements really fast if you see something happening in the visual scene, uh, almost like, you know, to detect a danger or something uh, pre-conscious, right? So all of this here is visual scene analysis, and all of this here is unconscious processing for which light is of use, like setting your biological clock or uh, moving your eyes to a particular target without... Um... Okay, so remember, again, when you look at an MRI, to switch, left is right and right is left. So this is the left eye here on the right side and the right eye on the left side. And uh, now let's go through the different visual pathways, the retinafugal projection from the retina to the visual cortex. Okay, so here at one, uh, we have the retina where the receptors are. Then we have the optic nerve that leaves the retina. Um, and that goes to the optic chiasm. That's the first decrisation or the first uh, switching of, 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 of pathways from one hemisphere to the other. Now, what you what, remember here that the nasal hemiretina decussates. The nasal hemiretina is this one here in blue on the nose, closer to the nose. This goes here, and it goes there, right? The reason for that is because the nasal hemiretina takes this part of the visual field, and this part of the visual field is represented on, on the other side. So this is the right side of the visual field, it's represented on the left cortical hemisphere. The other part of the right visual field gets sampled by the left temporal hemiretina here. So that, the light goes there, goes in, so the light comes from here, goes in here, goes there, and then doesn't decussate but stays on the same hemisphere. So at, that's what the optic chiasm does, right? It, 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 it leads, uh, that's where the nasal hemiretina moves to the, uh, decussates to the other side. And after this, all the information of the right visual field is now in the left hemisphere. And all the information from the left hemifield is now in, in the right hemisphere, right? So, so then you have the optic tract here, that uh, the optic tract carries only contralateral information at this point. So a lesion here on the left optic tract causes a right visual field deficit. Right. So then you have the LGN, the lateral geniculate nucleus, which is the thalamic nucleus um, here. And then what you have from the LGN, you uh, 
have what's called the optic radiation. This parts into two loops. One goes ventrally around the temporal lobe here. This is Meyer's loop. You know, the pie in the sky is here. And then you have another one that goes into the parietal cortex, you know, more dorsally. Uh, and that's called Baum's loop. And then all of this ends in the primary visual cortex, or V1, right, in the occipital lobe. And all the information that arrives here, let's say on the left side, is from your right visual field, right? And all the information here is from the contralateral visual field, this time on the left. So this figure is from your Haynes Atlas. Okay, so let's walk this through again, like with some comic, uh, you know. Let's say you look at the um, upper left visual field quadrants and see where, where, where they're represented. Let's say you could imagine a visual field deficit there, right? Uh, which is actually uh, the pie-in-the-sky disorder that we talked about. The information enters here, the temporal hemiretina, and here, uh, sorry, here the nasal hemiretina, here the, the temporal hemiretina, right? That uh, decrescates the nasal hemiretina. The uh, temporal hemiretina stays on the same side. It goes into the LGN. And then this goes through Meyer's loop into the visual cortex, right? So this here is the calcarin sulcus. What this means is that the upper visual field, the left upper visual field, is represented below the calcarin sulcus in the right visual cortex, right? So Meyer's loop goes through temporal cortex, temporal lobe. Now, let's say we have a pie on the floor disaster. Then what happens is very similar. Just a, um, here, the temporal hemiretina, uh, sorry, nasal hemiretina decussates again. Uh, the temporal hemiretina states ipsilaterally. But because it's a lower visual field, it goes up. And reaches the occipital cortex above uh, the, uh, um, um, yeah, I can just call it, the word finding problems here. Calcarine fissure, thank you. Uh, so that you have the lower visual field on the left side represented on the right visual cortex in the upper, uh, up above the calcarine. We call that Baum's loop, okay? So as long as you remember that the nasal hemiretina crosses, you can work it all out. Okay, so primary visual cortex is the part uh, where your brain integrates information from all the different photoreceptors. Uh, it creates, it, it, it has an etch detector, 
uh, and, and so on to kind of make basic uh, feature-driven analysis of the visual scene. Um, you can see here the calcarin saltus divides uh, the, the, the occipital lobe here. And then you have visual cortex. So this is in red, the visual occipital lobe. And visual cortex is, primary visual cortex is kind of located here. Okay, so if you look at this mid-sagittal section here, you know you have the cerebellum, there's a frontal lobe, there's an occipital lobe. Now, I made this little drawing here to tell you where the uh, different information from the different uh, parts of the visual field arrive. So you can see this is the right hemisphere, and all the numbers are in the left visual field. So the contralateral visual field. There's nothing from the ipsilateral visual field here. So you start out with the macula represented up here, one and four. The lower visual, the number four here in the upper, above the calcarin, and uh, just below the calcarin. And then you, you kind of go more, as you go more into the brain, like more anteriorly, you actually move from the central visual field to the peripheral visual field. So basically what's going on here is a reorganization from visual field to cortical anatomy. Up, what is, what is up in the visual field goes down here below the calcarin, and what is left goes right. Right? So if you have a lesion here on the occipital pole outside, you don't see in the center, right? You have a macular visual field deficit on the left side, one and four. If you have a lesion here at six, right, it's kind of your peripheral visual field here that's impaired, lower left. Now, what's going on in the visual cortex is we have, um, we have basically uh, feature processors, feature detectors for really low-level visual feature features, which is mostly edge detection. So uh, in, in some like Nobel Prize winning work, Hubel and Wiesel at uh, Columbia and, and Rockefeller uh, did this experiment where they actually found out what the visual cortex does. You know, they had an electrode in visual cortex in the neurons, and then they had different bars here that had different orientations. And then when you do recordings, you know, this neuron didn't respond to a bar oriented like this. It started firing when it was oriented like this, and it really had a party when it was for, um, oriented like this, right? So moving to an another neuron, so this neuron preferentially move, likes, likes this orientation. Now moving to another neuron, that actually, that neuron like this orientation and not the other so much. So what you have there is an orientation selectivity 
of uh, neurons in primary visual cortex. This is kind of what you need to find out, uh, you know, etch, that's when I talk about edge detection. Those neurons, uh, they, they basically, in order to detect an edge like this, you have to combine information from different photoreceptors, right, that are retinotopically distributed next to each other, uh, you, you, you know, for that higher order processing to occur. And within the visual processing system, <clears throat> like in the other modalities that we discussed, uh, it just gets more complicated, right? So uh, you have uh, areas in the, pa in the brain for depth perception, for motion, for form, for color, that are all kind of divided in different areas. For face processing, uh, word processing, letter processing, all of this. Selective lesions in there causes these higher order deficits like prosopagnosia, the inability to recognize faces, right? Um, visual word form deficit. People cannot, people can read, you know, they can uh, decipher little, uh, you know, drawings, but they cannot read letters, for example, right? Uh, yeah. So, what you have here, you have uh, two streams, a dorsal and a ventral stream, it's called, of visual processing. Uh, they're supported by uh, um, different ganglion cells, the M ganglion and the P ganglion, the magnocellular and the pavocellular system. Um, the magnocellular system supports the uh, dorsal stream. It's the wear stream. It's kind of space, motion. It's kind of what's happening in space, where, where's the tiger, you know? And uh, the other thing is the parvocellular uh, stream uh, that supports the what, the ventral stream. That's more like faces, what am I looking at? Is it a word, is it a face, you know? That sort of thing. What color is it? Talking about color, you can also have, so you, we, we talked, you can have color blindness that comes from the retina, but you can also have color blindness that's a cortical color blindness, achromatopsia, right? Say there, uh, in Broadman's area 18 and 37, you have a lesion in this pathway, in the ventral pathway, the what pathway, what is it, what color is it? Uh, you know, and a lesion there causes cortical color blindness. Okay, so this is a new slide, but it's, it's kind of like in your blue slides in there. Uh, maybe you want to take a picture or so. Um, but it's also these kind of, uh, uh, I just pasted it from the blue slides. Uh, but basically, here's a nomenclature, right? If you have, if you have a half, half a visual field uh, cut or a deficit in half the visual field, you call that a hemianopia. Uh, if you have it in a quadrant, you call it a quaternopia. Uh, and if it's in the same or in different ones, you call it either a heterogeneous or homogeneous uh, hemianopia or a heterogeneous hemianopia. Right? Okay. So let's try to figure this out. I put uh, the visual um, pathway here for you so you can deduce that yourself.
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. So what this is basically it's a complete loss of the right eye, right? So all the information from the right eye here from the right eye, from the right visual uh, sorry, from the right eye, is lost. So causing you this kind of deficit, right? So potential cause of that uh, here of the uh, optic nerve lesion could be optic neuritis. Okay, ready for another one? <laughs> yeah. Give me more. <laughs> okay, here you go. Okay.
Okay? So what you have here is a, is a complete loss of the visual field on the left side, right? Because all the information that, reach, that it goes to the visual cortex on the right side is disrupted. The visual cortex on the right side processes information from the left visual field, from the contralateral side. So what you get here is a complete left visual field cut in both eyes. Now, can you see on this, the same deficit, the same visual field cut here, is there another number here where this could happen? Yeah, number six, right here. You know, it's the same type of information, even if it's cut here or here. Now. When it goes into Myers loop or here, you know, then, then it would change again. A complete destruction here of the occipital cortex would cause this as well. Yeah? Yeah? So you, two more. There, hopefully not. Okay, next one. This one is a bit more difficult. So it's basically those numbers here refer to those numbers here where there could be a cut. Now you have to identify which cut could cause this. Okay, now you can talk. There you go. Okay, let's look at this one. Two. Two is at the optic chiasm. Oh. You know, I bet you looked that up online. No? Nice. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I think that's a... I mean, it's complicated because... Uh, 
what you have here, you have the visual information from here entering, uh, going here, cannot cross, then the inf information from here, fair, cannot cross. So yeah, but nice, good work. Okay, so I put a few slides here for you. Uh, this is from the Haynes Atlas. Uh, you know, um, here you have the pie-in-the-sky disorder, the homonymous quaternopia, right, which is here at number four. A lesion here causes that. A lesion at five causes pie on the floor, which is this guy. And uh, here's another kind of little overview that you can study. Sorry, this is from your Haynes Atlas. Just another view of the same. Here, for this one though, I think the mental gymnastics become a bit too much because it's light, left and right and everything. Uh, so it's really difficult. Um, and then here another kind of the same image. Uh, and there's a link also to Access Medicine uh, to read about this you want. And then lastly, uh, just review the blood supply of the visual cortex. You have the PCA here running there and the MCA running there. And uh, both of them su supply the macular portion of the visual field really well, which is kind of nice because it's, a, it's an uh, evolutionary, very important part of, the, uh, of, of our nervous system, you know, to have central vision. And uh, if you have it supplied by two uh, arteries, uh, if one actually has an infarct, uh, they, they, there could actually be enough uh, oxygen supply by the other, which gives us sparing of the macular, uh, sparing of the central visual field. So that happens in in some uh, visual cortex uh, strokes, um, especially because after PCA infarcts, so after posterior cerebral artery infarcts, you get mac macular sparing, which is basically what you see here. This is no macular sparing. You have a visual field cut. This is a visual field cut with macular sparing here. Uh, you know, this is what you see and this is how it would look on the visual field tests. Oh, no, sorry, I, I made a mistake here. These guys, that's with macular sparing. They need to be here. Do you see that? That makes sense? So these guys, this is macular sparing, so you can see in the central visual field, right? And here you have a, a total cut. That's because after a PCA infarct, you get macular sparing because the middle cerebral artery still supplies that area representing the macular and the visual cortex, right? Here you have the middle cerebral artery also supplies the macular region here, very much so like the PCA. So if you see macular sparing, you know it's a, likely a vascular event in the visual cortex. Okay, last question. 
Okay. Okay. So the right answer is this. So what you have here is because this is a left cerebral artery, so this is on the left side of the brain, the visual field cut will be on the contralateral side. And uh, you have with sparing of the macula, because even though you have a, uh, a PCA infarct, your left middle cerebral artery still takes care of that area and supplies an old plot for it to function. So the question is, uh, only time when we don't have sparing of the macula is if both arteries are involved. If both arteries involved, yes, you would not have sparing of the macula. Um, probably unlikely, but, 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 but theoretically possible. Uh, the other issue is you just have a tumor in that area, you know, that, that takes all the macular uh, uh, cells there. Uh, then you also have something without a macular sparing. So the sign here is if you have macular sparing, it's a vascular issue most likely. Okay, so you heard about the central pathways. Uh, we're going to do a few more of those on uh, Friday's IMCQ quest session. Uh, so just, just review that again if you could. Thank you very much. Hey, let me just uh, save this.